Yes, here we go. There's another episode of the Real Life Game Changers. This is where we bring game-changing people to the table so we can spread the light, share the wisdom as well. We are in for an absolute treat because we know and we have heard the saying before that money makes the world go round. Now, what is it that makes money go around? It's got to be selling things. So that's what we're all about here. We're going to see how can we have an angle of selling that's going to help people. So first of all, what I want to say is thank you so much, Fred, for joining me on here this evening. Uh, I feel that we're in for an absolute treat with you. Oh, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I'll try and share as much as I can to, uh, to help people get better at sales. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with that one. Yeah, for sure. So uh, what an amazing um, insight you've had over the last 22 years. You're traveling all over the world 14 times, 36 different countries. You work with over 10,000 salespeople. And you have identifiers, what makes people unique and what makes them different. So we're excited to get into that. I'm super excited to get into that. Uh, so just before like we go any further, let's just give us like a, the highlight reel of Fred. Like, what was it like growing up, and what were all your experiences that led you into this field and where you are today? Yeah, well, I mean, I sometimes did to go back, go right back, you know. And the, the backstory with with sales is that like my first job was in selling. Um, I was eight years old. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. is a. Uh, it's quite a funny one. So the, the family had a family business. It was a it was builders merchants. Um, and on Boxing Day, we had this big sale, you know, and, and when I was eight, I was allowed to go and help. All right. <laughs> Can you imagine eight year old helper? And so they kitted me out in this in this kit, like I got this big orange polo shirt, you know, man's shirt. Remember those orange, those those brown uh, warehouse coats? Yeah. Yeah, one of them <laughs> right over my arms. And they went and stuck me in a tile store. Okay, so let me just explain that the place that we were in was an old Victorian mill, <laughs> you know, big, thick stone walls. So in December, stone cold, I'm stood there with these tiles, helping people select them and buy them. I was having a right laugh. I mean, honestly, it was brilliant. I was just chatting to people and helping them. And I'm like, that sales, really, when you think about it, I didn't know that then. I just had a load of fun doing it. Um, and I guess, you know, ever since then, and sort of with the family business and everything, I've always had a commercial interest. Yeah. And so kind of everything I've done you know, from going through uni and then, then all jobs, I've had some kind of commercial background to them. But uh, yeah, started, started, I started selling at a Victorian mill. How about that? Yeah. So, so okay. And it's in, in, in the merchant uh, industry. So like, I suppose at that age, being exposed to just have fun, serve people, and uh, because you had the people around you supporting you, that kind of set a nice foundation for you moving forward. But, you know, through the through, through, after those age years, going into teenage years, early 20s, was there any times where it's like, oh, you know, sales actually has is, got this, you know, negative connotation, you know, people you know, a bit wary of that type of thing. Like, did that ever come across? Yeah, it did. I mean, I went to uni and studied commerce and Spanish. Um, and, and one of the things that sort of I probably didn't, I wasn't as conscious then as I am now is that, you know, I was studying a business course at uni. They never trained us in sales at all. <laughs> but to be fair, I still, I still think they don't. Well, I know they don't. That's yeah, why I just sure they do not. with unis. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, marketing's nice. We like all that. It's nice and clean and sort of 
the sails is a bit, bit dirty, isn't it? It's a bit sort of, oh, no, no, don't go down that route. But it's like, you know, missing the point. It's having conversations with people to understand what it is they're trying to achieve so that then we can work out, can we do something to help them do that? And if not, do we know someone else that could do? You know, and I soon started to get my head around that, even though my first job was, was my first job was in sales, then I moved into marketing and so back into sales. And I could always just see the two sat together and it was all about, you used the word already, serving people. Can we help people get to a better position in what they're trying to do with the stuff that we do? Get that yeah, right away. But, but like, I, I mean, I'm just, I can only speak from my own perspective. So like when I started to, well, there was no tr sales training, communication training, relationship building training, not even any really such, such things like teamwork when I was growing up in school. Then you go into business, you kind of throw it into the deep end. I was working on a building site, not really any too much skills learned there other than the trades. Uh, but then when it comes to opening my own business, I was like, I had to almost naturally have the ability to knock on doors, see if anybody wanted any work doing that type of thing. There was no training. But then when I went into the corporate world, then I started to see people are being trained, number one, only on product knowledge. Yeah, but then... To, but then number two, and I, I don't know where you stand on this because we haven't really had it. We had some technical problems. So we didn't even have time to talk before this. So I don't know where you stand on this, uh, but everyone's open to their own opinion. It's like uh, people were being taught like mirror and match and, you know, be someone else and, you know, uh, you know, ask the information so you can use it later. And uh, while all of those things might be useful, especially, the, you know, gathering information, understanding what people want, what I see, and it caused people to just not be authentic and not be who they are and always try to be who the, who they thought the client wanted them to be. Did you ever come across anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you said a couple of interesting, well, a lot of interesting things there. I mean, the first one was about product training. And I see so much corporate, so many companies overtrain product. They love talking about themselves. They love their things. They want to, like, get people so trained that they can talk about it till the cows come home. And I'm not saying that that's not important and there's a time and place for it. If that's all you train somebody in, guess what they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to talk about their product. They're not going to put any focus on the other person to understand what they're all about, again, what they're trying to achieve, and then what is relevant of all that massive product stuff I know that I can, can match up to it. Um, if you then look at, again, when you did your training, it will have been interesting because sales training has gone through a whole bunch of evolutions. I mean, it's something I, I, I've written about and talk about in that you sort of see the sort of decades of sales training. The training kind of matches the era. And look, there's some interesting things we can take from all of them. But I think people get stuck in certain decades sometimes and get kind of hang on to this stuff where, yeah, the mirroring and matching was, was interesting. Still is because it's about how to build a rapport and communicate better with people. But it's about what intent are you trying to do this for? You know, so, you know, if you're doing it with this 80s style background where it is about trying to manipulate and if you do that, you can put them into the position that you want them to be. I'd say that's not very clever now. I probably wasn't very clever then either, to be fair. Mm. But if you're saying, well, actually, no, I want to understand someone's style so that I can read them better, adapt to them quicker. And when I communicate, it's going to be more comfortable for them so we can get stuff done faster. Well, I'd say that's pretty compassionate and that's pretty decent. So, mm. so all these things, it depends why you're trying to do it.
Mm, mm, mm. I mean, our brand is real life, as you can see. And, and, and that story I was just telling you about was exactly how this brand was born. Uh, I was in a software company and my job was to head up the commercial side. And uh, we, I, I, got, I, I got to the stage where like, we were doing training every day. Yeah, which is unheard, which is unheard of in corporate, and uh, you know people were coming in and they and they were speaking different phone voice to who they are and all of this, and it was one time we were doing some role playing and I was just like, just be you, like why why are you trying to be someone else? I was like, just be real. I, yeah. I was like, this is real life, and then they all the team members, they started calling it like real life sales training after that. And that's kind of how the brand was born right back then. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. the fact you're doing stuff every day. It's I, unheard I, of, right? It's unheard of. It, it is, but if, well, it depends. I mean, if you're talking about elite performance, elite sport, elite services, whatever, you know, they do train every day and then they sort of play once a week. But exactly. Be like just do play, 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 and never start to get better. So even just a little huddle, little thing, just a little reflection on what can we do that tiny bit better, it just makes so much sense. You're well ahead of the game. Mm. <laughs> so, so I'm, I remember my first like official sales job was knocking doors um, to get appointments to then sell home improvement products, and I had three days worth of training. And then they sent you into the field and then like, I think it might have been once a week or it might have been every other week or something like that. Anyway, to, to like basically like talk about pro like what the products are. And I'm like, well, we know what the products are. Like, how do we actually, you know, convert more sales, help more people, you know, overcome, you know, the adversity that we're coming up against out here in, in the streets, which for me was like a really difficult sell. Uh, uh, and like you say, the athletes, they're training more than when they're actually doing the thing. Yeah. yeah. But then when people go into business or property investing or entrepreneurship or, or anything else, Fred, I, 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 I mean, do you know why people m may not want to do as much training as they are doing? Yeah. I, well, it's a couple of, I think there's a couple of reasons. I mean, sometimes from the, I mean, it depends, the corporate point of view, the company point of view, they think that people doing stuff is like non-stop kind of this activity kind of fascination is better than them sort of stepping back thinking about how they can do stuff better more effectively but they get so wrapped up in their own kpis they've set themselves that they just have to keep on doing 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 doing, doing. even if it's what's doing doesn't work but that's what's being measured it's the doing bit not the working bit which is crazy yeah you know? so that's in that in that world i think i think if we're talking more personally and i'm guessing you you know the audience here it's because it's hard. <laughs> when you're trying to get better, you've got to take a look at yourself. And yes, you build for your strengths, and that's lovely, and we can carry on doing all the stuff that we really like. But you're going to be spotting stuff that you're not so hot at. And that isn't always fun to recognize it, to then be able to do something about it, which will push you outside your comfort zone. Yeah, because it's naturally going to be uncomfortable if you stay doing all the stuff you like doing. But when you do start doing that and it becomes part and parcel of what you do, it becomes more comfortable. But mm. the thing which is probably stopping people doing this is it's hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, one thing I did notice is like, and I don't know if you found this because you've obviously traveled around the world training thousands. I mean, anybody who's trained over 10,000 people, 
you obviously know what you're doing, Fred. You know, you won't, you won't be able to reach that many people if you didn't. One thing I noticed a lot was there's a certain find out what they need. Then, then, then obviously you can present the solution if you have it to them, make an offer, you know, let's make a decision and so on. And, and if people didn't follow that, like you say, they just talked about the product. And if you had a savvy buyer and they know what they want, the salesperson could be no good, but the buyer knows what they're doing. Yeah, but that's not that's hard to come by, at least in my experience, where the buyer knows what they're doing. So, so for me, I found a difficulty is when people didn't follow that process and they closed the sale, that was actually worse than them not closing the sale. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, you reinforce the wrong behaviors. And I mean, look, I, I started doing this quite a long time ago, and you probably would spend a bit more time talking about your stuff because you were the source of information as the salesperson. You know, you've got all these things and the buyer wants to know. Now, of course, there's that much information out there. You're going to somebody and like, hello, this secret information. It's like, no, I know all that, mate. I probably know more about your own product than you do because I am interested and I've been looking it up and I've been looking at all your competitors. And so people aren't talking to salespeople because they want to know about the product. They're talking to salespeople because they need help making sense of something. So I'm quite clear on this to salespeople now. Your job is to help people think. That's what they want you to do. That's what they will see as valuable. Not your comprehensive product knowledge. We can all go and look that up together. But if we can understand, you know, what is it that's going on in the market? What's a bit different? How can I get my head around it? Because I'm feeling a bit stuck here. And by the way you manage the conversation, helping people work that out, you're valuable. That's who they will want to speak to. Not because you can recite a bunch of stuff like a website. Mm. A website does that better. Exactly. for sure yeah the website's better being a website than you are <laughs> yeah 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 and, and it's easier for people to digest and understand right yeah. so so like i'm sure you have gone into many different industries many different companies different products different you know solutions that solve different problems so let's talk about you know business from an entrepreneurial aspect and you know the sales angle of it but let's also look at the property investing market as a lot of people who tune into this uh, podcast and this channel they're into that as well well they're into both right entrepreneurship and property investing so what are what are some things that like you might want to share or give people some pointers on if we tailor it specifically to a startup entrepreneur and property investing um, I can't help you so much in property investing. That's 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 your bag, mate. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to do all the stuff around that. Um, but as a as a startup entrepreneur, um, I mean, yeah. Tip one is you are gonna have to sell. I mean, you've said this already. I'm just gonna underline it. You are gonna have to sell, and it might well be uncomfortable for you. Again, I've said that already. So let's just underline those two things. And it's easy to kind of get lost in doing other stuff and distracting yourself away from doing the sales pieces. So like building a nice funnel and making a lovely website and refining the marketing tools and going networking, which you get closer to selling, but not actually really putting a proper process in place to say, look, I need to have quality conversations with the kind of people that I can help, I can serve, and I've got to have something in place to help me do that. And while we're ducking doing that, we're not putting ourselves in a good place to to move on from just starting up, you know. Mm. Um, that'd be a yeah. Well, I, well, I can, uh, you know, I've interviewed quite a lot of people, and I can already tell 
um, you're you're very um, you know you're ready to listen, you're ready to ask questions more than what you want to just you know spill the beans kind of thing. If you understand what I'm saying, so let's say if you was going into a business like you do and you want to help them and their their craft is raising finance um, and finding property deals, working with estate agents and working with teams like building and contractors. Like how could someone use sales skills or tune in to really benefit and separate themselves from the average? Okay, so the stuff that the stuff that I'm working on at the moment and why I wrote first book is that you know I talked about these evolutions of sales and we've kind of moved on from the 80s, this whole close, close, close nonsense into the consultative selling of the 90s. Now that's worthwhile getting your head around. So thinking like a consultant and being able to understand what someone's trying to achieve, how they're going to do that. But that's 30 odd years old. When we looked into the noughties, this is where people would talk about adding value. And so we add value by working with somebody to understand what value means to them. And so shining different lights, giving a different perspective, bringing an insight. So back to that stuff I was saying, helping people think. TENS was all about social status, selling stature. So that kind of personal branding, we call that now. But this last evolution into the 20s, the point I'm making is that it's about collaborative selling. It's taking this stuff and just bringing it up a notch so that we are thinking like partners. Now, you don't have to be a partner. I'm not saying that you're going to rock up and create a joint venture straight away or a formal alliance or anything like that. Could be a wonderful little deal. But when you think like a partner, that's going to in, in kind of inform all your behavior. It's going to change how you go about doing stuff you'll be a way better, more attractive person to, to work with because you'll be doing stuff based on both parties really getting something from that interaction. Thinking like a partner is, for me, the key now to being good at, at any flavor of sales, if you like. Mm. <clears throat> That's super interesting what you just said, like, like thinking like a partner. Uh, and just very quickly, I'll say like when, when I was coming through my 20s, I, I learned to be very cutthroat, let's say, and very brutal in my negotiations. And uh, I remember I was in an Arab country one time and they, like, they love a good negotiation. And um, I remember I bought two watches, half the price of what one would cost. And they were so annoyed. I actually thought they was like coming after me. That's a different story though. Um, but but later, later down the line, I realized that that's not good. So uh, I don't remember where I first heard it, but this whole point of view of saying, okay, when I'm negotiating a deal, yeah. I must be able to turn the deal around and still want to accept it. Yeah. And, and, it and if not, then why would I, why should I be negotiating and putting them in that position to do it? Would you say that's kind of similar with this whole partnering mindset? No, I love it. I, lo I love it. That, that's a really smart, quick way of just testing. Like, you know, if I was sat on the other side of the table, would I still be talking to me? No, I wouldn't. Well, why am I still here then? You know, um, yeah, when, when I, when I came, when I really started thinking about this partnering stuff, it's because I'd, I've been doing some research into a thing called PQ. So partnering skills. Um, so, IQ, we probably know. EQ, emotional intelligence, we probably know. PQ, it's like the uh, the lesser known cousin, if you like. But the, these, I mean, this isn't something I've made up. There's there's six elements to partnering skills, which a guy called Steve Dent researched and sort of validated and verified back in the back in the late eighties, early nineties. And so you look at these six elements and you think, well, 
if you can bring these into the way that you sell and actually think about you know your, your audience into the way you run your business into the way that you, you act the way you behave i suspect you're gonna be a better person for it you're gonna be a better salesperson for it okay so, so let's, let's have let's play so six elements should we play where you try and tell me that you don't think they would be important in sales <laughs> okay or or and when you say no i can't but yeah let's do it like this and you can put the property spin on there the first element is trust that's what we're looking for in a deal mm. that's not fair you can't say you can't you trust in a deal can you you know no. so then we can think about you know what are the things we do to build trust so knowing our stuff saying what we're going to do you know looking after people's information carefully but doing it with the best the other person's best interest at heart that's what's really the trust builder yeah so that, that's one of the elements of pq the next is about having a win-win focus right and that's what you're talking about wasn't it when you're talking about the watches and the, now you start to turn things around it's like well i'm winning here but is the other party because if they're not okay i might have their leg up here but we won't do another deal together will we and that message will get around to other people that's what i'm like and actually are you likely to get the deal anyway because they're thinking well, nothing for me here mm. yeah so we got that third element is being comfortable with interdependence and again it's tapping into what you were saying it's that my success is your success so if you're successful then i'm doing well as well thanks so rather than just yeah i need to get this deal and that's great for me and i can go off and do all my stuff it's no my job is to make you get what you want then i'm going to get what i want as well Salesperson gets ahead around that, really powerful. Mm. Number six, uh, sorry, number, number four, sorry, number four or six. Um, transparency. You've already again mentioned this, where you talk about being authentic, being you, sharing what it is you're thinking, sharing what it is you're feeling. Don't expect people to be mind readers and to know what's good for you. The other side of this is to also give the other party feedback. Now, this is quite counterintuitive to some people because they say, oh, no, you can't tell the customer that they're wrong. You can't tell them that that's not good. You can't tell them that they're not doing what they said they were. No, no, you do. You have to. That, that's your job. And if you think they're going to make a mistake, again, you've got to not call them out. But, you know, say, hey, look, I can't let you do this well, without at least discussing why I think that's not the greatest idea. And I said, being transparent. We need to be comfortable with change. Again, in pure sales, we are selling change, aren't we? We're asking people to do stuff differently, look at different ways of operating. So again, we've got to understand what change is, how people respond to it. It's, it's hard. Change is hard, isn't it? You know, the mm. change curve is like a grief curve. So again, knowing where people are on that, because we might be all excited and we've accepted everything. They could be at shock and denial. They, they can be angry about stuff. You know, We've got to match the, the communication to how somebody might be thinking and feeling. And then the last element of PQ, partnering skills, is to be uh it's our good future focus future orientation so we're, we're clear on what you know what's our goals what's our missions what's target what we're trying to achieve how do we get there together let's make plans based on that and let's you know keep driving towards it and keep thinking how we're going to get there mm. and what does take the of pq i mean for me i use them as a guide for for, for all the selling stuff i train them and, and, and it's wonderful, you know, a framework and then people didn't need to be able to take this and, and apply it. And one of the things in raising capital, because uh, raising capital for property deals is a great strategy, means that you can start investing in property without any of your own money. And it's also good for businesses as well. 
to get some investment and raise capital. I've done that a few times through venture capitalists, and uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, it's a great experience. But there's this phrase that gets banded around like time is money, and it almost creates this oh yeah yeah okay time is money like i must move on like you said before doing 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 just time is money i gotta do 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 rather than actually have a look and see what's you know you know that old saying uh what was it give me six hours to chop a tree down yeah spend the first four hours sharpening my axe yeah. i mean I, I even had partners yeah in a business that used to say that phrase but was still so focused on do 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 yeah but going back to what i was going to say before is time is money, right? So you got time is money. And I realized it's not about quickly time is money. It's about actually the more time I spend, the more money that's in there. And and I think this is like nicely taps into your uh, like building relationships and the partnering skills because it comes down to, well, hold on. I've got like some people in property, right? They want to raise money. Yeah, and they wait until they're desperate. They don't put the time in. Yeah, so then they're desperate to raise money. They bought, they're buying a deal. They need to do it quickly. And now they haven't even got the time to spend to find out, well, what does an investor want? What would make the trust and all that PQ stuff? That you know, there's no time to do any of that anymore. Yeah. Whereas like, if people start that from the off, and it's like the best time to raise money is when I don't need it because then I've got, I got the time to go into it. So, you know, based on this, I, I think you're obviously very knowledgeable here. If you was to say, like, you come into our company and, and we're like, hey, Fred, like, we we want to better our sales skills. You know, we want more property deals. We want better relationships. We want to treat our guys like partners. We like what you're saying, Fred. Uh, what would be some of the key questions you would ask? So I'm thinking if we could do that now and people are listening yeah. to this on this on this episode, like, they can ask themselves these questions and start to form something different. Yeah, cool. So, so what I do is I work around the framework. I call it the value framework. Pun on value, but actually it's V-A-L-U-E. It reminds us to look at five areas. What it did is basically, so the PQ stuff I said on one hand, all the stuff that's gone on in sales before that's still worthwhile, some stuff we've got to kick to touch, you know, like we're saying, but some stuff is still really useful. We bring them together. The V stands for validate. So validate is kind of your old qualification, if you like. So it's understanding... Who am I trying to sell to? You know, what's the ideal customer profile? What's the ideal investor profile, if you like, as well? Yeah. Where do I find them? And how can I start to get the conversation going with them? Yeah. Do they look attractive as they're the kind of people I would want to work with? And yeah, we've got all the traditional things like, you know, BANT, budget authority, need time, and all that sort of good stuff. But I would also look at, but what's their attitude to the way in which they do work? I love, so I, I, love a, I love a good framework, by the way. I was into all of those different frameworks. <laughs> Careful with BANT. BANT is a qualification framework. It's not a questioning framework. It's a framework uh -huh. for that. Excuse my French, but it's not very good for me. So validate, first bit. Yeah. So who are we going after? Where do we find them? How do we do that? Then exactly what you just said, A stands for align. We align what it is we think we can do with them, with how they're working, what they're doing. This is doing homework. This is the sharpening the saw bit. It's your desk work. It's your research. It's thinking, okay, well, so yeah, we're doing this stuff. They're doing this stuff. That looks as though we could be able to work like this with them. Here are some of the key players. That's the things that are going on in their world, their market. That's what we're going to need to talk about. That time invested, yeah, that's where your money's at, like you said, totally. So we align. We then take in that information and that 
stuff into the L part, which is leverage. So leverage is how do we have a valuable conversation with them? You know, how can we use a structure? So I'm all about structures. I love frameworks. I'm lazy. I don't want to keep inventing stuff. So I've got a framework that works. I'll use it. It's how can I take it in? How can I ask them questions to help them think? Yeah. How can I move towards where I might be presenting some stuff? How do I keep the whole thing moving forward? That's the leverage part. Again, so we're going through a couple of bits there. We get to the U, which is underpin, because by now we should be thinking, hey, oh, this is cool. You're telling me this stuff. I'm doing this stuff. Looks like we could do some things together here. I now need to underpin it. I need to, to back that up. I need to prove it. I need to present it to you. I need to put a proposal in front of you. And I need to make sure that we resonate, substantiate, and differentiate. Yeah, resonate. Got to be on the same wavelength. If I'm not on the same wavelength as you, well, yeah, well, you're not going to work with me, are you? Mm. Substantiate. I'm going to have to back that up. I'm going to have to prove it. So, again, there's probably going to be some numbers around that, return on investment and all that sort of stuff. But don't underestimate the power of stories. Tell some good stories around who you've done this stuff before, how it's worked for them to give people that proof. And then differentiate is just by being different isn't a differentiator. It's got to be relevant to you. Yeah, because if you take, oh, we're different, like different, different like this, like, I don't care. It just doesn't matter to me. So that's, you, that's, you know, again, the question I'll be asking is how can you back up all the stuff you're doing? We get to the last part of that, which is E for um, expand. So how can we expand that? Now, the first bit is how can I make sure that I've delivered what I've promised that I'm going to deliver? And before we start talking about business development and the growth, it's like, you know, you're, you bought from me because you want some results or some outcomes. That's why people buy. They buy results, don't they? Right, let's make sure we deliver on those results. You get those outcomes that you need, that you're looking for. Then we can start having sort of some conversations around, okay, well, what more can we do around this? If we use that as a framework just to focus in on those different activities, broadly, we'll be on track for sort of having a good, you know, good sales process. That's what it is, essentially. Mm. So uh, these are some these are some frameworks that people can use. So like, would you ever go in, Fred, and like ask people the questions of how it then applies to their business? Would you? Is there anything that you would like use to? Um, because what I love about selling and, and teaching people to sell is like you can use the selling while you're teaching. Because at the end of the day, teach like good teaching. I'm talking world class teaching. Not like, you know, lecture style or, or what's, you know, in, in pretty much all the schools, which is like a cram in situation. If you actually look at the word education, it, if you follow it back far enough, it actually comes from a word called a juice, which means to draw out. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what selling is like. You've got like you can't cram in and say, hey, buy my product, get just information overload. It's got to be like, let me draw out what you actually need here. You know, what result, you know, what does the result look like to you? What does success look like? What does measuring those uh, KPIs mean to you? Um, so like what questions, what might you use to like draw out of someone who wants to raise more capital, you know, build their property business or something like that? Um, so, so one of the, one of the frameworks, the question frameworks we use in sales and you're right, by the way, about it goes back ages. It's Socrates, isn't it? Socratic method. <laughs> <laughs> Socrates, if you like Bill and Ted, um, you know, so it was, it's about asking questions because when you ask a question, you have to think. So again, you know, that's what a good salesperson does. They help somebody think. So a good coach does help somebody think, you know, that's why some people are part of your group, aren't they? Because you're firing questions out to help them think. 
what a good salesperson would be doing, and this is the stuff where sales really changed from the 80s to the 90s, was when this consultative selling was born. And, and in a nutshell, what happened is Neil Rackham and his team looked at loads of sales meetings and they found that the best salespeople were asking questions. They were asking questions to help people understand where are they now and where do they want to be. Now, as soon as you start to get that gap and you can start to see that actually what I'm doing now isn't really where I want to be, you can start to think about doing something. Now, the point is that might not be so far away. There might not be a big enough nudge, again, in the sales world for someone to do something with you or in your own world to even bother making a change. But what a good salesperson does is they ask questions about well, what's the impact of that? What's the consequence? What's the implication? Why is that important? And the more you start thinking about all these knock-on effects and that actually I'm over here, I really want to be over here, and that is probably why I'm not so happy, you then want to shut that gap up. So first starting up, understanding there's a difference between here and there, and then looking at all those implications, because that's going to give you the nudge to say, hey, I am going to do something about this, because it is way more serious than I thought. That'd be using a, a kind of a sales questioning skill turned back on yourself, if you like. And how much, how much do you think of building business you know, because it's the word selling that sometimes, unless you, you know, you're into it and you know, you, you know, you're a real business person, you know, that that's the lifeblood of the, of the business. Right. Yeah. But, but like a lot of people, they're not like that. Yeah. So they're almost like secret salespeople. I don't want to say that word sales. Okay. So, so like, like how much of it do you think is the mindset of the person? Yeah. I, how, I, I think probably, yeah, I think I think probably quite a lot. And I get it. You know, you, you and I say sales, we're comfortable with it. We've been in it. Also, when you talk about it enough, it is way shorter than keeping saying business development every time <laughs> or revenue management or some other made up word that you use instead of sales. It, it is ultimately that. But again, if you're thinking about let's go right back, you said it. It's almost like the first thing you said, which is like you are selling to serve. You know, you're serving someone, you're putting them into a better place than they were before because of the interactions that you've had with them. And for that, you're getting some reward back because otherwise, why would you do it? <laughs> you know, and yeah, you could do stuff magnanimously, maybe. But, you know, that that's what it is. And it just happens to be that's the that's the name, you know, mm. um, which I think, you know, you, you use the linguistic thing. I think it doesn't it come from salt originally. But if you did stuff, if you did good stuff, you got given salt. Um, which was your salary, and because salt without salt, everything was really horrible. So um, you just needed to do it to just to make stuff nicer. So yeah, think about it like that. It's your salt to make your food taste nicer, um, and then and that's what the the process is. We called that, and there have been some horrible practices. There have been some idiots. There probably still are lots of idiots about who who do give it a bad name. But top top self professional that really gets it, works collaboratively, and spends a lot of time refining their skills. Um, you know, you're helping folk. Remember that. But but I think the training aspect is two prong, right? Like if they don't do the training, they end up being so desperate to make sales or let's say convince someone of doing something, or they may take on clients or they may give products or services to people that you know that they're not quite fit in the bill, but they'll do it because it's like, oh, you know, the revenue needs to be made. So, so like that. So, if they don't do the training, that ends up happening. Where, like, if they do the training, 
and and role play and practice and things like this which i think i don't know this might be just my perception of it but like there was a point where role playing became a bit like oh no no i'm above that you know i don't need to practice you know i don't i don't need to practice i don't need to you know role play any of that stuff and i suppose there is an element of that when you're on the job and you can do a bit of this and that but still like does a tennis player just walk onto the pitch without any practice? Does a footballer do that? Does a boxer do that? Does a snooker player do that? Does a movie star do that? Does he just say rock up onto the scene and start freestyling? Or does, is there an element of practicing? And it's just like, I suppose the question is, what level you want to play at? Totally. I mean, you know, if, if you don't do the training, it's likely that you're going to end up doing that horrible, dirty, rubbishy type of sales because that's your reference is probably why you're not doing it. So you're going to end up become self-fulfilling in not being particularly good at it and annoying a load of folk by being sleazy. When you learn how to do it properly, because there are, there are, you know, there's techniques, there's things which have been modeled based on best practice and you learn how to do it and you practice it and make sure it gets into that kind of muscle memory, uh, then you will be better at it. And, and, you know, I think, I think the sports analogy, we, we use it a lot and, People say, oh, you know, but, but it's a good one. You know, top tennis player, they don't have one coach. They have five or six. Mm. You know, there'll be a fitness coach, there'll be a nutrition coach, there'll be a sleep coach, there'll be probably a sports psychologist. There's probably a hitting coach. There'll be a tactical coach. There's their overall coach. Oh, I'm on seven now. Um, you know, because they value that they do that. And they do, and they even when they're playing, and they do almost play every day, actually, but they still practice every day as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, they just it's not mess around games. It's smashing the same ball down the baseline, down the well, I don't know what it's called, the sideline. You know, the it's a bit boring, but why? But that's how you're gonna get really good at it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so that's one side of it. And I think the other side is, um, let's say I don't have the training. It's then affects the belief system and the mindset of like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna receive another objection. You know, because I know when I ha when I'm around trained people, when I'm trained myself, and I, because yeah. there's a phrase thread that people say, I want to be around like-minded people. Yeah. In my in my opinion, that's dangerous, because like-minded people, okay, when everything's good, everything's good, but when everything's bad, you're like-minded, so you now you're gonna you know, be in the swamp. Well, I want to be around trained people. So like, if I start to lose my self or I'm not doing the right thing, I need the trained person to call me out. The like-minded person don't do that trained person does so um i remember in my early days i spent more time like looking to build people's confidence helping them like through rejection yeah. where, where where these days and even just this morning i had a couple of my guys where i had to tell them like look you're just looking for people who you can help yeah like like, like if this if there's somebody who either we can't, we're not able to help or they don't want help because that's also a, a large carry of people. Then let's, uh, what's the, to worry about? Are you taking it as a personal objection? Like they don't like you as a person? <laughs> Just at this, but that's when you're not trained because you're trying to force something that don't fit. My first question is, is this person even someone I can help or not? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think in the first, no, the second software company is where I really made that switch. Yeah, the second software company we were building, I was like, you know what? I'm not calling someone to book an appointment. I'm, I'm calling someone to see if they qualify to come and attend an appointment with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
and it changed and, and in a way it might have been a little bit of ego but it but it raised my confidence like they're not qualifying me anymore i'm qualifying them to see if they're good enough to come and be on a call with me to for 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 for, for me to see if they you know need some help with whatever we got going on yeah no i, I like i like that spin on the mindset you know i, I call it validate same thing i'm going to validate that as something that i'm going to spend some time and effort on because it looks like, yeah, we could probably get on. I, I can see the way they think. I can see what they're trying to do. Yes, there's going to be a thing. Now, I, I don't know because I've not spoken to them yet. <laughs> they might be totally closed. You know, they could have all these things, which are great, but they're fixed mindset. And it's just like, okay, well, <laughs> we ain't going to go anywhere with them. So, yeah, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And 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 to kind of – I sent myself nuts doing this, by the way. You know, I used to have a long, flowing – head of hair because i used to try to help everyone no i really honestly i did i'd spend so much time trying to help folk and almost kind of forcing stuff on people and i'm talking as a sales trainer now but it's a similar kind of thing you know where some people just didn't want it i'm like trying to save them but i couldn't and what i realized is this is ridiculous because while i'm trying to save these people who don't want saving and are wasting my time effort sucking my energy out there's all this other group over here that do want this stuff, and I'm penalizing them because I'm trying to get these idiots, for a better word, to like play ball, and all these guys over here do. So now I'm just far quicker to go, not okay, fine. Let's work with this group who do want the help and who want to play ball, and we can have way more fun as well, you know? Mm. And you just reminded me of the untrained person, and I see this a lot in property investing, it's, but, but everywhere. They just don't want to hear what they perceive is a no. So so they won't ask the questions to figure it out early days of like, is this worth even yeah. continuing the conversation? Because they just don't want to have a no. And, and, and it's from having weak pipelines, thin pipelines. I used to call it the fake pipelines as well, where they're just full of fake you know, deals, not on purpose, but because of that fear of like, well, if I haven't got these, I haven't got anything. Well, the truth is I'd rather have nothing because then I go do something about it versus if I've got this fake pipeline. Same with investors. I see it in property. People have got this fake pipeline of deals, this fake pipeline of investors because they haven't asked those questions that just clinch the, like, are we on the same page here? You know, yeah. are we, uh, like is, uh, is what, like they didn't even ask them what they want, you know? And, and, and I even asked the client, you know, the brave, you know, the Dave Sandler stuff. Is it Dave? What's it? Is it Dave? Is his name Dave? Oh, originally, yeah. He's, he's the guy who set it up. The Sandler's the, the organization now, yeah. The Sandler, yeah. So I, I remember he was the one where I first heard it, where he would just ask those questions like blunt to the point of like, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other expression we use, we use quite often is qualify out. Is yeah. like you're trying to work this out, you know, I won't qualify you out the pipeline. Why? Because you shouldn't be in it. I don't know how you got in it. My fault for letting you in it, you know, but, you know, it, we're not going to work together. It's not going to waste time because there are other people that need to be in there and I do want to be speaking to. So mm. there's nothing, in fact, that's what that's what the very best salespeople do is they're, they're ruthless on qualifying out because they, they, they protect their time. Go back to time. You know, they realize that is the most valuable asset they've got. They don't want to be wasting time on stuff that's going nowhere. But if they've got the right opportunities, then they're going to put their time, effort, energy, all the other resource into that because that's where all the good stuff's going to happen. Mm. I, now, you should celebrate. Oh, yeah, I got rid of them. Why? Not got rid of them. You've got rid of them. You're being rude. It's just like, no, no, try to see if they match. They didn't, didn't validate well. Off. Let's look for somebody else like that. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. And I think, you know, having, and, and I think the reason why people in our community are so successful with their property investing is because we teach them like the business yeah. and then and then the vehicle is property where some people they go into property and then think oh no i've created a job here because i'm not running it as a business and in business it's like that whole um you just reminded me with the um you know qualify out it was like we used to call it in the software industry that was like the beauty parade you know like where the companies want like three companies to come in and present where they probably already decided but then their buying process says well no you've got to do your due diligence and get them so i always used to ask and if and if i felt they wasn't kind of like you know being free flowing i i would suspect they already decided so i would ask i'd like look have you decided and you just need some quotes i literally would ask that question yeah. and i remember this one guy was open with me he said yeah you know what it's right i said well just tell me if that's the case i'll send you a quote right now so you can just go and do it. i'm not coming to your office <laughs> i just yeah. I'll, I'll send you a quote what do you want me to say what, 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 what do you want it to say if it helps you do it and uh you know i just hope that the universe repays me back for being you know part of uh part of that good good process and help and helping i mean i did help them they were never going to choose us because you've not been involved in putting the whole thing together you'd not spect it you'd not work with them they don't know you from adam whereas the people they're working with they're in you say they've got to get the three three things so that's, that's the question and you know i think sometimes people get a little bit concerned almost about they feel as if a bit too rude or too blunt but sometimes actually just a direct question like that people will respect it and also mm -hmm. you, know, you asked an intelligent question there and that you showed that you knew this is how the industry works and it's like you know is this what's going on oh yeah it is mate okay you know that wasn't rude it's just you get it yeah you know the game we're all playing this game here actually that guy's quite cute you know next time i might bring him in earlier because you don't get it mm -hmm. oh, i might have missed a trick there. He's probably thinking damn just spoke to mark earlier you know, yeah there's, there's no harm in doing that i don't think yeah and i think with property deals uh also you know because you know there's some people that go out there they'll drive them around the motorway for months if not even years putting in you know offers left right and center because they never asked a question in the beginning and there's all framework we teach around this but it's just like you ask the question at the beginning like you know my, my offer is going to be around this price is it worth me even coming to see it or not yeah there is this thing isn't there where if we're being busy we feel as though we're doing something Oh, and yes. actually that's you know that's, that's like this thing into three main challenges and that's actually the first challenge that i would spot in quite a lot of organizations i give them these funny little names i call that busy 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 and that is where you're just rushing around doing loads and loads of stuff filling your time look at me i'm doing all this one you know but actually it's quite wasteful if you're not doing the right stuff it's quite tiring yeah. and then it starts getting pretty stressful because you're not getting the results so then you're chucking Good effort after bad, but you're doing it in the same way. Definition of insanity, you know, and you're kind of doing all this stuff and just sending yourself nuts, mm. but not daring to break out of the busyness and say, hang on a minute, this isn't this isn't right. You know, so stressful, tiring, you know, unfocused. You deal with it by planning, preparing, and just using a process. I mean, that literally is the stuff that. I'll talk about it anyway for our eyes and liver. So that's, that's, that's challenge one. <laughs> you said yeah. it. You know, okay. you have a process. You're training people in how to do that stuff. We're giving you the planning techniques. Follow them. They work. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And time has flew. Uh, so I, I, I always ask these two questions. These are really yeah. important questions before we go. But how calming? I don't know about you, but this feels a very calming conversation. Great to just speak to someone 
who is uh, relaxed around this whole topic of, hey, listen, we want to help people. You know, like, like you want to transform people's lives through whatever services, products, training. Uh, to do that, we must, you know, sell something. And selling is finding out what people need and helping them get it. And it's a big mindset. So it's great to speak to someone who's so calm, who has uh, clearly vast amounts of experience, speaking with different uh, salespeople all over the world. So thank you so much for yeah, being here, sharing this wisdom with the, with the audience here. Uh, but two quick questions before we wrap this up. The first one is, let's say right now you've got a microphone that translates into all the different languages across the whole entire globe. Yeah. And you've got 30 seconds to give a message that you know, is going to create some impact. What, what is that message you would give, Fred? 30 seconds right across the globe. Okay. We can all get better by collaborating. Um, if we all learn and share, which is a decent definition of collaborate, we can all be good people doing good things in a good way and all be better for it. Nice. That is brilliant. Yeah, very fitting Yeah, for, for, our, for our community. Lots of people in our community collaborate, work together, want to see each other win. So, yeah, that's good. Now we have a saying in our – this is our last question here. Uh, we have a saying that says in our community that we must always do the right thing for the right reason. Now, why is that? Always do the right thing for the right reason. Why is that? Why is it you're saying or why should we do that? No, that's that, like the saying is, you know, you've got to do the right thing for the right reason. Yeah. So then the question is, why is that? Why is it? It's calm as a bitch. <laughs> okay. That's my, that's my flippant answer. Go on. That was, um, actually, that is the flippant answer. But, it, you know, it, what goes around does come around. And if, you, if you're doing things for the right reason, you will be happier in yourself for a start, I think. That's going to make you a better person. It's going to mean you've got better energy. You can do more good stuff. People will see you as being that kind of person. And that's when, you know, stuff does come back to you, you know? So that's kind of how the karma thing kind of works. But if you're not and you're ripping people off and you're doing stuff for the wrong reason and you're kind of nasty all with it, that'll stick, you know? So, yeah. Thanks. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I always like to get people's insight on that question. I would like to add you to the real because you've been so awesome. And what the real is, is people answering this question. Uh, but then we always, like, in our community, we always say, you've got to do the right thing for the right reason, because that's the only way to discover your true potential. Am I able to ask you again and you say that? Because it's the only way to discover your true potential? Right thing for the right reason, because it's the only way to discover your true potential. Also, you said it all by yourself. It's fantastic. Oh, sorry. Were you supposed to prompt me? <laughs> no, that's good enough. There's different angles on it. Those different takes. <laughs> Yeah, that is excellent. So uh, our community has got a mastermind coming up in about nine minutes. So uh, we'll let them have a little bit of a break uh, before they go on to that. But uh, Fred, absolutely awesome to have you on here. And I think there's so much beneath that surface level that we've talked on that pe people really start to tap in to what you've talked about this evening. Uh, they can go really far in life and their relationships and business transaction deals and all of the rest of it. So thank you so much for being on here, Fred. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for inviting me.